The first reading this morning is Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The second reading is taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62, the cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Beck, and um, this January we're looking at Luke chapter 9 and 10 watching and listening to Jesus as he journeys towards Jerusalem with his disciples on mission. And we're preparing ourselves this year to embark on mission as we plant a church in Fairfield and revitalise our congregation here in Clifton Hill. So this is helping us to think and prepare. But I will tell you straight up that in all my years of ministry and ministry training, I have never heard someone recommend speaking to people this way that Jesus does in the passage here today if you want to persuade them to come and follow him. It's pretty negative, isn't it, (laughs) the stuff he says. If it was me, if I were Jesus on the road that day and I was travelling towards Jerusalem and I'd just been rejected by that village we saw last week, the Samaritan village, and someone came up and said, I will follow you wherever you go, I'd say, that's awesome, come on. Come on, here's the itinerary, let's give you a complimentary T-shirt, join us, you're welcome. And those second and third people, they've got families to say goodbye to and a father to bury, I'd be saying, oh yeah, that's big stuff, you go do that and then catch up with us, we should be there by then and maybe we'll see you down the road. But Jesus is not like me. He's actually way more loving than I am and insightful. Jesus sees what's going on inside of us and he speaks the truth we need to hear directly to our hearts. He doesn't hide anything. And so what he says here today to these three people is this. He says, following me is hard, but it's the most significant thing you'll ever do, so don't miss your moment. There is nothing more important than belonging to and advancing the kingdom of God. It's what he said to them then, it's what he says to us today. 
and what we're to say to others when we share Jesus with them. Let's look at the first person. I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, okay, just as long as you know that you are following a homeless man. See, even the wild animals have greater comfort and security than Jesus did in this world. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I think Jesus sees that this first person is a bit like his other disciples, excited to get on board with the Jesus who heals, who casts out demons and teaches about the kingdom of God coming. But it's important to know what to expect if you're going to join Jesus in this. Because he never promises prosperity or comfort on the journey. He can't do it because he doesn't have any to give. Jesus' own story goes like this, that even though he was God's son, mighty and powerful, creator of the universe, he gave up his status and riches and came into the world as a baby born into a humble family. We just thought about this over Christmas. Then he grew up in a small town. He learned his father's trade. He was a working-class man. But even this he gave up and went on the road, proclaiming the coming kingdom of God, ministering to the sick, the outcasts and the poor, and finally dying on a cross. He didn't have a home to call his own. He never got married or had kids. He never owned anything of any consequence. And he never promised his followers that they would be any better off than him. It sounds hard to follow Jesus. But if you get this, it's also incredibly liberating. Now, I hope that the person in this story heard what Jesus said and followed him anyway. We don't know. I hope he didn't miss his moment to enter the kingdom, like the rich young ruler that we read about elsewhere who goes away sad because he can't follow Jesus. He can't give up all that he has for him. The thing we learn about Jesus, from Jesus, about wealth and security in this life is that it's just not as important as we tend to think it is. Houses, cars, accumulating wealth and superannuation actually have nothing much to do with Jesus' mission and the kingdom of God. It's quite trivial in comparison to the riches of God's kingdom and almost, almost irrelevant to Jesus. Except that he knows and warns us that if we put a lot of time and energy into worldly stuff and security, then it will get in the way of lifelong fruitful discipleship. And this is for our culture. We have, to, we have to sit and say this to ourselves because we're in the middle of it. The temptation to get a bigger house, a bigger mortgage, a higher paying and more time-consuming job is always there. Love of money and comfort is a very common idol of our hearts. But the more we understand that all our stuff will one day turn to dust... And remind one another that though he was rich, Jesus became poor for our sake. The more we will grow and know and experience the riches of God's kingdom even now, and the better we'll get at opening our hands to use what we have to practice hospitality 
and generosity for the sake of the kingdom. There are many generous and hospitable people in our church, and I know that we are actually looking forward to when we can open our homes more again. This has been a hard time to be like this. And if that's your desire, know that's a a sign of your discipleship and the Holy Spirit working in you. Now, if you're a young person here, and there's quite a few young people here today, this is really relevant to you. Because out of everybody in the room, you are most likely to hear Jesus say this and say yes to him wholeheartedly. Because you don't have a lot to lose yet, do you? Following Jesus will be so much easier for you and freeing if you learn now that you don't have to make it your goal in life to be rich. You can be free from that. All right, person number two. Jesus says to another man, follow me. And he replies, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. There's been a lot of speculation about what's going on here because what Jesus says is actually really shocking, isn't it? Has this man's father really just died and Jesus is responding to him like this? I think it's possible. But some people say, surely if the man's father just died in the Jewish culture, he wouldn't be out and about and listening to Jesus. Maybe he died earlier and there's still these things going on. Or maybe some people speculate his father hasn't died yet, but the man sees that it's his responsibility to care for him, for his parents, until they die, and that that's more important than following Jesus at this point. It actually doesn't matter what the scenario is. I think we can all agree, first of all, that to bury a parent is a significant obligation. There might be nothing more important or sacred that you can do in this world. And this is exactly what Jesus is making a point about. Because whatever the most important thing that you can think of to do in this world, it will never be as important as proclaiming the kingdom of God. See, this man calls Jesus his Lord and then makes an excuse all in the one breath. Did you notice that? But if we call Jesus Lord, that is to say that we submit to him and his rule. Our first allegiance must be to him and the kingdom of God where he reigns. And the kingdom of God has a different view of many things, including family and death. Now, I don't think that Jesus is anti-family. And you only have to remember at the end of John's Gospel when Jesus is dying on the cross, how he sees his own mother weeping and hands her over into the care of his disciple John. Even in his death and pain, he cares for his own mother. But there were times when Jesus prioritised other people over his family. You might remember uh, the time that Jesus' mother and siblings come to see him Um, And Jesus was teaching a group of people and someone urged him, you know, to come and see your family, they're outside. And Jesus says, my mother and siblings are the one who listen to me and do the will of God. What he was saying was, this is more important now. This is the thing to do. To proclaim the good news to others was always Jesus' first priority. 
And so Jesus tells the man here to proclaim the kingdom of God instead of burying his own father. You go, get the word out that God is doing something new. That Jesus has come to bring eternal life for those who are perishing. That is the message of the kingdom of God. It's a reversal of death message that people need to hear. Well, friends, we are all destined to die. In this world, death is final. But in the kingdom of God, death is not the end of the story. Jesus, on the road speaking to this man, knows that he is going to Jerusalem to die himself, but then to rise again three days later, so that whoever believes in him, follows him, entrusts themselves to him, might have eternal life as well. For Jesus, death is not the highest priority because it's not the end of the story. To proclaim the kingdom of God and the good news of eternal life is the mission of Jesus, of all of Jesus' followers, even for us today. This extraordinary message of hope has still not reached all who live. And I think part of what Jesus is saying is when you die, it's too late. But go tell those who live. And perhaps because we've been suffering through this pandemic, there are people in our wider community who are much more open to hearing this message of hope than they have been before. And so we must not miss this moment either to proclaim the kingdom into people's lives or to receive it ourselves if we've been delaying. Not many of us will have to choose Jesus over family in the way that this man specifically did. But some of you here have decided to follow Jesus, knowing that it goes against what your family believes. That's made some of your life choices look really foolish and strange to your loved ones and even caused them offence or concern. And that is not easy. But when this happens, know that you have heard what Jesus says here and obeyed him. And think also that ever since Jesus died and rose from the, um, from the dead, many of his disciples throughout time have left homes and families to go and advance the mission of Jesus. Think of Tim and Olivia Mulherin, who aren't here today, but they know I'm going to speak about them. Um, soon they're going to take those four little boys and go and live in Cambodia for the purpose of serving God. And they go knowing full well the cost. They both grew up in missionary families and they're no stranger to pain and suffering. They go knowing that they're going to miss out on milestones and significant family events, even deaths and burials, all for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so we still need to ask, is Jesus telling this to us today? And what will we say to him if we hear him say these kinds of words? All right, the third and final person says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This person always also is giving family reasons as a way of delaying following Jesus. But the answer that Jesus gives them is a little bit different. I think that what Jesus sees here is a person who's hanging on to the past. 
that illustration of the hand plough, which none of us understand because we live in the city, <laughs> works this way. If you use a plough in the field, you need to keep moving forward to make a straight line so that the seeds will be planted in a straight line. And as soon as you turn around, the line will go crooked. Jesus is saying, if you follow me, there's no turning back. Maybe uh, we could understand it better like this. Lots of us have wanted to cross state borders these holidays, haven't we? To see family or friends or just get away. But the conversation we've all had, the thing that's worried us is, will we be able to get back? What if they shut the borders again? Rob and I both went to visit our parents in New South Wales. And to play it safe, we could have stopped in Albury-Wodonga and stood with a foot on each side of the border and told our parents to come and meet us. Yeah? We could have done that. But that would be stupid, wouldn't it? It would be silly. What's the point? But many people who hear the good news of the kingdom and want to follow Jesus behave like that. They keep a foot in each state, fearing that the cost will be too great if they give their whole lives to Jesus and his mission in the world continuing to live by old patterns that don't please God, being anxious about many things instead of entrusting them to Jesus. I was like this on and off through my 20s and 30s, especially after we moved here away from our family and friends to do ministry. It didn't feel like a sacrifice when we, when we came to Melbourne. We really wanted to live in Melbourne because we love Melbourne. And um, it was felt like an adventure. But even after, after a while, I started to wonder, what if? And after that, what else could I be doing? I stopped praying for long periods of time and I spent a lot of time living in my head, intellectualising my faith, feeding my doubts. I forgot all the ways that Jesus had been faithful to me in my life and through his own life and death. And maybe you've experienced something like this too. This is what I discovered when I started to share my experiences, that there are a lot of people who go through something like this as well. After a while, I decided to stop leading my Bible study group because as Jesus warns the person here, even I could see that I had become unfit for service in the kingdom of God. I was like a shell I was going through the motions, but not authentically living out life as a Christian. And it was a horrible time for me. A horrible time because I experienced a kind of paralysis in my life. I couldn't go back. I couldn't go forward. But in God's mercy, something shifted inside of me eventually. And I understood what Jesus is saying here to this man. You see, the kingdom of God has a forward motion. One day, Jesus is going to return, and all the promises we look forward to will be fulfilled. But even now, as we travel with him, there are riches of the kingdom that we can have now in knowing Jesus and being his people together. And so I needed to keep going and trusting Jesus for what would come next, and so I decided to feed my faith instead of my doubts and just go with it. And in his mercy, God strengthened me to serve him again. 
and I learn to identify and enjoy his grace to me in all circumstances. I mean, it's not perfect. <laughs> and I still, that's my, you know, I have a tendency. But what I know is that the life of faith is to be lived wholeheartedly if we are to flourish. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Well, maybe you're listening to this today and you know that you haven't actually decided to follow Jesus yet. And so I want to encourage you not to use delay tactics like this guy does here. You need to figure this out as a pressing matter. You need to ask your questions and admit your worries. It's fine to do that. Don't keep it inside. If it's true that Jesus came to die for you, and rose again to make it possible to live in his kingdom forever, then you don't want to miss your moment and it will be totally worth giving your life to him. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you about that sometime. Come and speak with me. If you've been following Jesus for many years or even not so long, continue to worship him with your whole heart and look ahead. Psalm 121 that we read today is likely one that Jewish pilgrims might have said to each other on the road when they went to Jerusalem for festivals and to worship God. They would be remembering how God had rescued them in the Exodus and how powerful his care was through difficult times and even as they walked the road. Those words for us are a reminder as we journey together too of all that Jesus has done for us and promised us for the future. Amen. Thanks, Becca. Great challenge. Um, mission. That's what it's all about. Let's stand and we're going to say the Apostles' Creed together. Please stand. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let's come together in time of prayer. Let's pray. Blessed are you, God our Father, creator of the universe and everything in it. You've blessed us once again this past week. And above all, you've enriched our lives through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for another week of blessing. And above all, we thank you for the greatest blessing of all, a restored relationship with you and eternal life through Jesus Christ. We thank you for hearing our prayers today corporately and individually and we thank you for the gift of prayer that we can share with you and talk to you our lord we recognize our weaknesses as people 
And this morning we ask for strength through your Holy Spirit to continue following you faithfully. Help us to seek your direction and draw on your wisdom daily as we go about our lives serving you. Keep us from distraction and help our hearts to remain focused on following Jesus and advancing the kingdom. Remind us daily that you are always near us, that you are watching over us. Lord, help us to grow in faith and in trust as we step out in extending the kingdom of God in our own lives and in the communities that we live in. Help us, Lord, not to miss the moment to serve. Thank you, Lord, for our church community this morning. We pray for each and every one of them who belongs to this community. We especially want to pray for uh, two of our members, Laurel and Anthea, who are both coping with serious illness. We ask that you would bless them with a sense of peace, with the knowledge that you are close, and with the healing in their bodies. Through your Holy Spirit, may they be filled with your grace and your comfort. We thank you, Lord, too, that we have plans within our community to grow. We pray for the plans to plant a new congregation in Fairfield. Give our council and those in our leadership wisdom as they take each step and as they progress this project. We really do look forward to the launch of the new congregation in Fairfield and the rejuvenation of the Gold Street congregation. We thank you, Lord, for this, this opportunity uh, to extend your kingdom in this way and to grow the, your church. We pray for all of our families who are part of this church, those who are away on holiday. We pray for their safety, especially on the roads as they travel. Keep them well and safe. And Lord, in due time, may we all be together again. We pray, Lord, for uh, their activities too, and especially with the recent spate of drownings. We pray that people will be safe as they holiday near the beach. We pray, Lord, this morning for our mission partners as well, and we give you thanks for the blessings and opportunities that you've given them to reach out and to share the good news of Jesus with those within their communities and to whom they've been called to minister. We pray for Rob Miller and the Melbourne Uni Christian Union team. We pray for a blessing on that ministry as they look forward to starting again soon as the new year dawns. Lord, give them many opportunities to reach out to people in, in new and creative ways at Melbourne Uni and in all the other unis where the Christian Union is active. We pray for Lauren Moore in France and we thank you for the opportunities you've given her to reach out. We pray for her ministry with pioneers and we pray, Lord, you would give her uh, new prospects, new opportunities, new people to meet and to, to share with and ultimately to share the gospel with. We pray for the mission of pioneers as it plants churches all around the world. And we pray for Tia. Lord, we thank you for their work. We pray that you'll continue to bless them, their efforts as they extend uh, help and, and love to those in impoverished communities around the world and also as they work to help uh, communities that are struggling with climate change at the moment. We ask, Lord, that you would provide these mission partners with opportunities and assure them of your presence as they minister and assure them also of our prayers for them as they work. As we look further afield, we pray for communities here in Melbourne in Australia. And at the moment, we pray for so many of them that are affected by COVID. 
We are thankful for our communities and for our health workers who are working in our communities and providing great care. Lord, protect them, bless them, help them to have times of rejuvenation and rest as we know so many of them are very tired. Protect them emotionally also as they deal with so many people with a whole variety of reactions and responses to COVID. Lord, empower them and encourage them. We pray for many in our communities who are feeling stressed and fearful. And we pray that, Lord, as members of the community, we as Christians may be able to offer some hope, may be able to offer some encouragement through the gospel. We pray for our leaders too as they navigate through this crisis and give them ideas and uh, ways to uh, uh, deal with restrictions but also to act on the advice of those who have the knowledge and the science. We pray for those in our community who have come seeking safety and refuge, leaving their own countries behind, Lord. Our hearts are moved by their stories. Please move those in power to respond swiftly in an attitude of love and care to grant help, love and refuge to those who seek it, who've come to our shores looking for hope and help. Thank you for so many organisations that reach out and provide physical help and and love and acceptance and encouragement. You have blessed us so much in Australia. Help us as a nation not to be protective, but to share. Motivate us, Lord, to reach out in love to other members of our communities who are struggling at the moment as well and not to overlook them. We think of those who are homeless, people in prison and their families, families suffering with violence and abuse within the home, victims of crime. Lord, there are so many that we could think of. Help us to walk around with our eyes open and to reach out with love as much as we can. Help us to love practically and emotionally and to share the hope of the gospel with people that we meet. Lord, we pray for our leaders and our politicians this morning as well. They have a huge responsibility, not just to the people they lead, but to you, Lord. Grant them a servant heart as they lead and give them wisdom and direction as they make decisions, especially during this time of COVID. May they, as we all should, choose unity over division others over self, a self-interest, and sharing over protectively guarding. We see daily a world, Lord, filled with conflict and hurt and a creation that is groaning for many reasons. We pray first for our brothers and sisters in nations and lands where it's dangerous to follow you. And we want to first thank you for their examples of unwavering faith. Lord, we pray this morning that you would give them strength to continue serving and meeting. Give them opportunities to meet in new and creative ways and assure them that they have not been forgotten. We pray especially for our brothers and sisters in North Korea, one of the most dangerous places to be a Christian. We pray for them, Lord, especially as they deal not only with persecution but also with incredible economic conditions which is causing hunger and, uh, and starvation. And Lord, as we look further afield, we see conflicts happening around the world. We pray particularly this morning for Kazakhstan, where there is a a conflict erupting now and other nations getting involved. We pray for a peaceful peaceful resolution in Kazakhstan. And Lord, we pray that the government will not resort, resort to violence to suppress the people, 
but will seek peace to love and care for the people as they're being called to do as leaders. We also continue to pray for Afghanistan and for the people of that nation living under an oppressive regime and losing hard-won freedoms. We change the hearts of those who have assumed leadership there to a posture of serving and seeking to do what is in the best interests of its people. Lord, it may seem impossible, but we know you can change hearts. And so we pray for that, for the change of heart of those in leadership. We pray for other forgotten conflicts, Sudan, in Yemen, in Palestine, in Ethiopia, in Somalia. Lord, they're just headlines in the newspapers sometimes, but we know that in each of those places, people are suffering. People have been displaced. Families have been split up. Families have lost loved ones. And we pray for them. We pray for these families. We pray for aid organisations that reach out. And Father, help us to continue to pray for these people on a daily basis. Lord, reach out with your love and your kindness and your care and we pray for peace and for resolution in these countries. We pray for action also to be taken to help nurture and protect our world, your creation. We acknowledge that this world belongs to you, Lord, and that we all have a responsibility to care for it and to seek to reclaim and undo the damage that has been done to it over the years. As your kingdom servants, help us to continue to build the kingdom of God by redeeming and reclaiming creation. Move the hearts of those in power around the world to take action, not just words, but action, to reduce the, the damage that has been done and to reclaim and return the world and to nurture it. But also move us all to take action to protect and nurture creation. To protect those in places that are vulnerable to climate change, Lord, and help us to reach out to them with aid. Lord, we humbly bring these requests to you in thankfulness, knowing that you hear us and that you re will respond to us. Thank you so much for the gift of prayer. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for the uh, thank offering, for the offering uh, in our church. Heavenly Father, you have given us riches beyond measure. We can only return a fraction of all that you have given us. But we ask, Lord, that you will bless our offerings and help us to use them wisely in your service and for your glory. Amen.